1: and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're joined by Eva Kylie, is an MEP from Greece, and she's a well-known figure when it comes to technologies in Europe, whether that's blockchain or AI or digital transformation altogether. So I'm really curious to hear what's cooking in the EU on that front and uh, in general. Welcome, Eva. How are you today? Good to be
0: with you in Brussels. Actually, it's super warm here and waiting to do my vaccine like everybody. I think slowly we're opening up and still working. I think it's going to go like this till the end of the year. Interesting times eh? for all of us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for making the time. Despite all, all of this, you're the chair of science and technology, chip. You're also chair at the Center of Artificial Intelligence and a co-founder of World Future Foundation. And you're an MEP, right? So how does it all tie together?
0: Well, actually, since we now have a lot of legislation in our hands around the emerging technologies, artificial intelligence, blockchain, digital platforms, I think everything comes together and it helps us understand the challenges and the impact these technologies will have and how to um, legislate in a smart way in order to to fulfill the ambition that Europe has now after GDPR to actually be the, let's say, global rule setter for the internet since nobody has done that. And we believe that this would create legal certainty and protect us from all the, let's say, impact that this technology would have in our life. Not just from uh, automation, but from the autonomy that the systems could get and also the violations of our uh, privacy mainly. So these are our our, uh, basic concerns and this is what we try to fix.
1: So we'll dive into it a bit more, but I'm also interested in your backstory, right? After your broadcasting career, you've entered politics and you've been focusing on these new technologies and science and digitalization and blockchain. So what has driven you to this? So what has motivated you to focus on these areas?
0: Well, I, um, as you know, I come from Greece. We had the difficult times of the austerity after the economic crisis in 2010 and since we are we come from a, a country that didn't see the solidarity that we need to see in, in Europe we had extreme austerity i was trying to figure out how we can find solutions in new technologies since it seems that the system failed us so i realized that this new discussion about decentralization was very interesting and also that ai or like the new digital economy could be actually an opportunity for countries that they, let's say, failed during the the third industrial revolution to be able to have a different business model in which we would have real solutions to be more resilient for the future. So this is what drove my interest and I'm working on several files until now.
1: Right. And of course, you've been very busy from the very beginning and before the pandemic as well. Just maybe a little bit of a personal question As Lowell, how has your life as a politician and speaker changed during the pandemic? What kept you busy and what has been different for you? It's been obviously challenging for everyone, but everybody in a different way.
0: Well, I think we, we were lucky in this unluckiness that we were able to telework. So we kept working on our legislation. So I managed to spend more time with my family in Greece. And at the same time, I was able to, to move forward with all these uh, exciting uh, things we've been working on. But I think we, I, I was already involved with these new emerging technologies and I was realizing that right. um, they are here. So now I feel that everybody is in the same realization. And now we are able to you know, join forces and uh, move very fast into creating these new um, business models that will be resilient, not just in, in Greece, but also in, in Europe and, and beyond. So I think this is what changed the perceptions, the priorities of the parliament and people around me, and of course, uh, our lives. So we have this new normal situation now, like it's in a hybrid form, the way we work and the way we uh, meet our friends and the way we, we do everything that we used to do.
1: Right. And uh, well, many commentators routinely nowadays talk about how pandemic have accelerated the digital transformation around the world, right? So what do you think? Where did the private sector or the government sector grab the opportunity and where there is more to be done?
0: Well, actually, we do have the tools that we needed to overcome uh, a lot of problems, but we saw in the beginning of the pandemic disruptions of supply chains, even inside Europe. So we realized we need to achieve more things to have a real single market. So we, we realized our shortcomings, and now we are actually rushing into, to, uh, let's say, embedding these technologies and opportunities in our system in order to achieve this resilience for challenges that go beyond borders. So I would say we responded with more Europe. So we had a different approach now. Instead of trying to figure out how everybody, anybody will will respond or its member state, or like the South and the North, we realized we are all in this together. So besides the physical distance, actually we're closer now into uh, our response. Um, right. I think this is so changed.
1: And, uh, well, more broadly, though, what can the EU do to be more competitive versus Asia or the US when developing or adopting new technologies, COVID or not?
0: Well, I would say that should be to keep our quality of life uh, when we're translating everything from the offline life into the online. And, of course, uh, try to see where there is room also to create new boxes in the online world because we face challenges there that we don't have offline. And I think Europe has... The, the ambition to do that, to protect our lives and our fundamental values. And this is something that I don't see in the US or China. I read recently an article in Financial Times, and I didn't actually know, I was not aware of, that China is imposing a huge surveillance in its workers and especially like some uh, super big companies to follow the performance and this, and you understand how it violates all the rights that we would have to protect in Europe so we are trying to create a framework where we can uh, get all the benefits of the new technologies but not to, to have this black mirror.
1: And, and uh, of course you talk a lot about blockchain and uh, the conferences and things like this and recently we've seen some unbelievable volatility or the the rises of the Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. But how do you see the potential of cryptocurrencies to be used as actual currencies, right, uh, for payments?
0: The ability of a cryptocurrency to do instant, to have it's a transaction. I think it, it's a, a way to avoid all these uh, hidden transaction costs and to improve the system. Instead of me uh, needing to send, To so take three days until I send money to from one country to another, like from Brussels to my mom in, in Athens. This can happen instantly in a safe, trusted way. I think this potential to have uh, technology and underlying technology that can achieve a trusted network, cryptography, instant payments, reduce of the cost, super fast and efficient, is something that we can see being implemented in several sectors. So we could use it for health data, for our transactions, in fintech especially, but we can see blockchain even for smart contracts and several sectors that could actually find solutions using blockchain to become again more resilient. So. We are trying to have legal certainty, of course, because now we have all the member states developing their own strategies, and we try to have a European layer, a European sandbox to test the technology. It had issues of scalability, and hopefully we will manage to overcome these problems as it's now a mature technology and just have the benefits of it.
1: Right. And do you think that the focus will be on CBDCs or stablecoins so that you can actually buy something online with the... With cryptocurrencies,
0: well, no, I don't think so. I think security, of course, and uh, also the DLT, the tokenized economy, or everything that is uh, can be called security have great possibilities to to implement and use and see the benefits of that. We're going to have some issues to, let's say, define what is DeFi, uh, decentralized finance, because we might call uh, decentralized finance a lot of things that they are not actually removing all the intermediaries. They're reducing them but they're not completely decentralized. So we have some issues with the definition in order to um, also take advantage of these technologies. But I see potential in in all of those, depending how you use them. And we expect to see more applications now. And of course, if you have legal certainty, then you expect more innovative uh, solutions to take place in a safe way and, and investors and consumers to feel that they can use these new technologies in a safe way, which was not the case, as you uh,
1: were aware of. Right. But where are we with blockchain blockchain utilization in Europe uh, more broadly? It seems that the focus has been more recently apart from the crypto we talked about on tokenization or digital assets, right? But in some other areas, maybe the progress has been a bit slower. So where do you think we are the furthest ahead? And uh, you mentioned several times the legal certainty, right? and uh, some sort of a framework that works across the member states and things like this. So when you talk about, as I said, tokenization or digital assets, is this something that you think it's the most, or it's the easiest path to follow if you, for example, want to join the sector and build something there, or is there something else related to blockchain that you should be focused on? Yeah,
0: we are trying to conclude the legislative initiatives. Until the end of the year, and then uh, maybe the trilogues. I think 22, we will be able to have sandboxes to test the technologies, especially DLT. And we're going to have also definitions for Mika and the several different crypto assets. I think that once we achieve that, then we will see also more applications in Europe. I would say the ones that are quite interesting are bonds that they are being issued by AIB. Uh, They've been announced in the European Investment Bank, and also I think it was, uh, so we see see blockchain for um, certification, we tested it, the architecture was not very good, the design uh, in the beginning, but I see huge potential there in order to have control of your data, of the artists and the creators. And it's a very exciting technology too. So I can see it in the art sector and the and maybe uh, anything that could be auctioned. Also in real estate and smart contracts. So I see a lot of applications of blockchain. What I still think is not easy is the interoperability and the scalability. Still, this is a challenge for this technology. But I'm sure we will have several solutions uh, for several problems uh, in the future in a more safe way
1: right so when you talk about digital assets yes you mentioned the nfts and also there are quite uh, cool applications in the art right and tokenization or others but yes the interoperability leads to other things as well which some people talked about on this podcast is uh, also secondary market right you may want to buy nft but how do you sell it and What's the price then if you cannot, right? All right, so basically I hear from you, there's some legislative work to be done and the sandboxes initiated in the EU, right? Then we should see more by the end of the year. Now, that's also related to another big topic and, and it's, it's been going on for years. A lot of people are worried about the ri- rise of AI from, for different reasons. Some people are worried about losing their jobs, then the commentators are explaining that of course you should look at the automation of certain tasks rather than jobs that can obviously impact some jobs more than others but then there are also some people who have even broader concerns about governance and how do we develop the nascent technologies like this so that we can benefit from their strengths and addressing the concerns of uh, people what do you think about the governance regarding the development of the AI, what can we do there and uh, or maybe what can politicians do from, uh, let's say, framework perspective?
0: We are actually working on an AI ethical framework that's going to be binding by law. I've already expressed my ideas like three years ago in the European Parliament calling for uh, the need of regulation. I believe that the core of AI is also data, so we need the governance of data too what you can use and, and how. I will give you an example to explain uh, how I see things develop. So ECDC, the European Centre of Disease Prevention and Control, gathered 80% of the data in the beginning of the pandemic across some member states from hospitals and all the authorities responsible mm-hmm. for the pandemic. But they had a huge problem, the realisation that we had different standards. So everybody was gathering in a different way. They're collecting data in a different way, storing them in a different way, so it was impossible to use them. Besides the language issues, all the standards were completely different. So now we're working on common standards in in the data governance. And then, of course, the rules that AI should follow. And I talk about AI as um, automation, but also AI that could give autonomy to hardware if it's embedded into hardware, like autonomous vehicles. And we need to make sure we will update our rules and we will make... Uh, everything that's illegal offline, also online. We will uh, clarify the liabilities and uh, to have a responsible, trusted, and human-centric AI. So this is the vision of Europe. I believe if we follow this path, then we will overcome the barriers and the details of creating more friction. I think we can solve it if we agree in the main principles, which is to avoid surveillance, discrimination, biases... And to increase inequalities. And I have the feeling that we are ambitious enough to achieve those things. And I have the feeling also that my colleagues with the the pandemic, they all came up into an agreement that we have to move fast and find what uh, unites us and and how we can agree to work together and uh, improve our system. Uh, besides sticking to the what what divides us or like detail that could delay this process
1: all right well i'm curious to find out more and to follow this now to, to i don't know if to lighten up or darken the mood because i know you're a big fan of a uh, black mirror so do you also have a favorite book related to technology whether that's ai blockchain or what we talked about that you can recommend as well?
0: Well, maybe two books because I don't like to have one side of the story. Currently, I'm reading the Surveillance Capitalism of Susanna Zubov. She's one of our advisors in the Science and Technology Committee, but also the Thanks for Being Late of Friedman, who has a kind of different approach there. So saying basically, basically that it's better to be late and safe than to rush into regulating innovation and creating more friction. So I, I like both books, it creates a lot of food for thought for me, but I want to have also a balanced approach because uh, the new technologies can offer us great solutions and we cannot stick on the black side. The black side is there for us to avoid it and I really think that in Europe we will achieve that.
1: You you talked about your legislative agenda for this year, but in, in more broadly, what is ahead of you this year? whether that's in the European Parliament or your outside activities. Nowadays, the conferences look quite different, right? Often they are virtual or hybrid, and uh, there are other projects that you're involved in. What are the other big milestones you want to hit even in these challenging times?
0: Listen, we have plenty of files, so I'm just talking about my committees. Imagine, and also with sensor technology, mm. I can understand uh, uh, the upcoming challenges, of the emerging. But I can give you like some words that maybe trigger new discussions: the safe deployment of five uh, G, not the fast deployment of five G until it reaches six G, or the use of satellites for communication. I could also talk about supercomputers, so the need to have great capacity for for data and not just collection but also to use uh, modern computers in order to achieve uh, faster the understanding of technology and in this global tech war that somebody else might be able to break any cryptography that we have so to create new resilient uh, systems there and of course to to be able to to have the, the platform economy open opening up and to instead of just having the five big ones acquiring everything and to have not to have, actually, a level playing field. So I would we'll say these are the main challenges in my files and the whole platforms and the environmental impact of these technologies and um, um, the legislative ones and the Euro committee. So all the committees, they will have from their side to what is changing. And the, the agenda of the parliament and the commission, it's mainly focused in the twin transitions of the digital and the green, how we can have a sustainable deployment of the digitalization. And uh, this is, I think, quite interesting because we have to be creative. We have to find ways to use these technologies and invest in what would create the economy of the future in uh, a way that it would be able to uh, respond to challenges like that in a more united way at least at the european level and to be able to be competitive enough at the same time with the um, us and china at least
1: well great stuff so busy year as always and my last question is very easy what's the best way for people to find out more about what you do whether that's in terms of speaking engagements or legislative actions and the projects and the committees you're active on where is the easiest way to to find out more about what you do
0: so everything is quite complicated. It's online, but it's quite complicated to find. We definitely have everything on, on through Twitter, Twitter handle. But if you download the EPRS application, you can find all the studies that politicians are basically reading and the recommendations we have and all the options that we are given before we legislate. So it's interesting. For example, there is a study for the cost of non-Europe uh, it, it, it really hits you, the realization of what Europe means into having like product safety, trusted service. So everything we are working on, you will find the, the research of it at the EPRS application. And then on our site, you can see the progress of each file, all the timeline of each file, of each community, of each sector for any issue. And you we know, are active on social media and trying to also communicate what we're working on and also the challenges we face, and I'm open to listen to any concerns or any issues that we have not taken under consideration, which is really, the I would say, the most important thing for us, to realise that things are developing really fast and to be able to remain relevant with where society is going. Um, so this would be very helpful, and I think having people like you having such interesting ways of communicating this. Uh, developments in politics it's extremely useful and rare so thank you for the invitation
1: well thank you very much eva and good luck uh, looking forward to uh, see more what's shaping and uh, i'll put the resources in the show notes of course so people can t- track what's going on so thank you so much again thank you for listening to voice of fintech podcast if you haven't already check out also voiceoffintech.com